Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. Hello, my name's Graham. I'm the vicar of the church. If I've not met you before, it's great to see you here today. And um, uh, we've got about 15 or 20 minutes for me to talk with you about money. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun, uh, by which I mean it's going to be horrible. Um, And uh, there's a kind of conspiracy in church, isn't there? You don't really want me to teach on money, and I don't really want to teach you on money. And so most of the time, we don't talk about money at all. And yet, I discovered when I had a little look that Jesus teaches on money and possessions and and how how we use what we have uh, about 25% of all of his teaching. So I'm thinking we might have a new sermon pattern and have a kind of one in four sermon on giving and offering. What, does it sound good? I think we could have a lot of fun doing that together. Um, so I want to be really honest with you uh, today. The, the point of this sermon, this talk, is that it sits within this little season, this month of February, where we're thinking about how we store up treasure for ourselves in heaven. And uh, Morag began... Uh, at the beginning of the month, helping us think about what we treasure, what, we, what is really precious in our lives, uh, how we uh, reflect and evaluate and determine what are the things which really matter most and, and how, we, uh, how we store our treasure for ourselves in heaven, investing into God's kingdom rather than simply uh, into the stuff of everyday life. Um, which rots and which decays and which is vulnerable. And we've been looking at Matthew 6 quite a lot during that. I'll come back to that a little later. Last week, Andrew spoke to us about our time and how we use our time. But today, it falls to me to talk about how we use our money, how we invest our money. So, Father, I pray that you would give us our courage and boldness. Uh, we've already sung this morning that um, the mighty name of Jesus casts out all fear. And, uh, and, and Lord, you know, in our day, in our age, fear about money is one of the greatest fears we all experience. And we pray that you would uh, work a miracle in our lives today, that your Holy Spirit would come and give us a spirit of boldness and courage uh, and confidence and trust in your provision and that your spirit would make us generous. Amen. So the aim of my sermon today is to uh, persuade you to give money away. Uh, if it helps you at all, you can think about investing your money. But, 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 but if my sermon succeeds this morning, you will have less money in your bank account, less money to spend on discretionary things uh, at the end of this month or next month, whenever you move. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's go wild. Why, why do I think you should give money away? It's so countercultural. Everything in the world is saying, get more money, get a promotion, get a pay rise, you know, save well, get a better investment, use your money more efficiently, try and make a little bit of money on the side, store up for yourselves. Why should you give your money away? Well, there are two reasons I really want to try and communicate to you. 
today. Firstly, it's good for you as a follower of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then this is kind of irrelevant to you. But I'm guessing that having gotten up and made it through the rain this morning, there was a little bit more than mere sociality that brought you here. So I'm hoping that everybody here counts himself a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, then you can become a more liberated, a more faithful, a more joyful follower of Jesus when you learn to live like Jesus, and that is to live generously, giving money and possessions away. So that's the first reason. It's good for you as a disciple. And I do care about the discipleship of people in our church. I care that each and every one of us is growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. If we just come here every Sunday, year in, year out, and 10 years passes by, but none of us are actually more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more forgiving, more patient, more kind, more generous, then my goodness, we've wasted a lot of time. Yeah? So we actually are, we're actually about being apprentices in the way of Jesus, becoming more like him, learning a new way of life. That's what we're here for. And it's good for you as disciples to give money away. It's also good for the mission of the church. That's the second reason I want to encourage you to give money, because I want to encourage you to give money to the family to which you belong, to this local church, so that we can resource the mission that God has entrusted to us. So, Two reasons. Persuade you to give money because it's good for you as disciples. Persuade you to give money because it's good for the mission of the church. I want to begin by looking at that passage that Claire just read for us. Because in, um, in this passage and, and in the New Testament, I think we see uh, some principles about how we should give our money. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned. I'm concerned that you give your money away. I'm not really concerned with how much you give, right? You're going to have to work that out with the cooperation of the Holy Spirit before the Lord. Uh, you know, we're all going to give an account on Judgment Day, so you work out what's right for you. Um, but I, do, I am concerned about how you give. Uh, so not how much, but how you give. And so I want to talk about three principles we see in this passage and in the rest of the New Testament um, about how we give. And the first is that we give money cheerfully. So the measure, of our, the measure of the value of our giving is not actually how much we give financially, but it's how joyfully we give what we give. Each person, and this is verse 7, uh, should give what they've decided in their hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now the Greek word for cheerful there is hilarion, the word from which we derive hilarious. It should be, it should be kind of ridiculous, a little bit kind of laughably absurd to give this generously. I'm just going to give money away. And I don't get much control over what it does. I'm just, I'm just going to give it away. And that's kind of funny because in our world, nobody, nobody gives money away without getting something in return. And actually, that's another principle. That, um, this is a little aside. We are accustomed to shopping, right? That's our, that's our, that's our worldview. We are a shopping worldview. So we do give money, but only when we're getting something back in exchange. And one of, the, one of the critical differences with Christian giving, with giving in the way of Jesus, is we don't get to control we, what we get back. So give hilariously. How joyful do you find it to give? One of the benefits of giving money away, actually, is aside from the freedom from bondage that it produces, is that we do also derive a sense of joy from our giving. 
And some of you will have experienced that, that you've been able to give to something. You think, oh, that was good. That was fun. I was able to support that. I was able to give some money away. And we know this very practically within everyday household life. When you buy a present or a toy for a child, the gift they've been longing for, you spend the money not so much on the toy itself. You're not buying the toy. You're buying the joy that it gives to the child when they receive it and when they play with it. Something about the joy that it brings to that person and and indeed to yourself as you get to share in that. In this way, although you're spending uh, your money on someone else, in a way you're spending it on yourself because you derive joy from bringing joy to the other. This is a dynamic that can work in all areas of life, actually. So uh, when we uh, sort of give to to another person to bring them joy, we hopefully derive some joy in seeing another person experience joy. It's the same when you take somebody out for a meal or coffee or dinner, whatever it might be. So many of us know the experience of giving money in this way. Um, But there's another, so so giving money when it brings joy to another person and you get to witness it and you experience joy yourself. Hilarious giving, cheerful giving will sometimes involve giving even when you don't see the return, when you don't see the effect that that produces. There's a sort of recklessness or an an abandonment to it, given solely for the benefit of the other, given simply for the sake of giving. So uh, cheerful giving is one of the first principles that I want to leave with you. Um, Second is generous giving. Generous giving. Not about necessarily how much you give, but about your expectations when you give. What do you expect in return when you give your money? What are you looking for? Paul begins this passage saying, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There is a dynamic here about giving and about the rewards that it produces. But I want to be absolutely clear to you, I'm not saying that there is something mechanistic about this where if you give financially this much, God is going to give you financially that much in return. It doesn't work like that. But it is about becoming more generous and about reaping a more generous spirit. Whatever you give, anything we give, whether it's time, money, anything else, we, we give, it's generous. We know that it's generous when it doesn't involve a calculation about what is coming in return. That's one of the differences between generosity and shopping. When you're shopping, uh, there's, there's a return. You've got a calculation about the value and the worth of whether what you get in return uh, is worth it. Actually, it's very, it can be risky in church sometimes, can't it? That we think, well, worship wasn't very good this morning. You know, I'll give a little bit more generously when they start doing more of the songs I like. Or maybe I'll give a little bit more generously when they start putting on the project that I like. Oh, I like cap. I'm glad, I'm glad the church is doing cap now. All right, I'll start giving for that very easy to get caught into that but that's just shopping that's shopping that's religious shopping right I want this kind of religious experience and so I'm going to buy it generous giving is something else in Luke 14 Jesus says that when you hold a dinner you shouldn't invite your friends your relatives or your rich neighbors because they can invite you in return and repay you he says don't get caught up into this kind of gift exchange economy where you're kind of uh, you know you're waiting for the return leg all the time. He says, instead, invite the poor, the ill, the crippled, the blind. It's 
easy to get caught up in a culture of reciprocity. Uh, and, and, our relation, and, and actually, this is not just about money. This is about money, but it's also about our relationships with one another, where our generosity in a relationship, the amount of time or affection or uh, care we, we'll give somebody, is calculated in, based on what return we are likely to get from it. Generous giving is the kind of giving which isn't concerned with what I get out of it. And this can be hard, uh, but it's important. Generosity is a virtuous cycle. And, uh, and, and it's a virtuous cycle because as you become more generous, you find more generosity in everybody else around you. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Uh, third principle, before I go on to some other practical things, is um, to give sacrificially. So we, we give cheerfully, uh, we give generously, and then third principle is to give sacrificially. Now, by this, I had a bit of a revelation a few years ago when I was reading the passage in Luke chapter 21. And, um, and you remember the story, that they're, they're, they're in the temple courts and uh, there are a whole load of the Pharisees who are coming and giving their, um, their offerings in, in, to the temple courts. And then a widow puts all that she has, it's sometimes called the parable of the widow's mite, two small coins, um, puts them in. And Jesus says that out of her poverty, she has given more generously than all the others because she gave sacrificially. And the revelation I had was that it's not how much we give that God values, it's how much it costs us that God values. Let me repeat that. It's not how much we give that God values. It's how much it costs us that God values. Now, I don't think I've yet got onto grips with giving sacrificially. I don't think I've learned yet what that really means. I'm trying. But I don't think that I yet give in a way that is really sacrificial. I don't think it really costs me enough yet. And I wonder for each of us, if we really sit down and think about it, I wonder whether how we feel we're doing. Some, some of you, I'm sure, are doing much better. One of the things I have observed, you know, there are the, the person who is getting by on job seekers' allowance or whatever it might be, uh, or, or struggling on minimum wage and uncertain shifts, and yet, you know, determinedly says, I'm, I'm still going to give my, my £10 a week, my £20 a week, whatever it might be, my £5 a week. That's probably far more sacrificial than the person who gives £200 a month but takes home £5,000 a month. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't cost as much. If you're on a larger salary and you're giving a little bit... Actually, there's a, some peculiar research. One of the interesting things uh, that study after study shows is that, uh, on the whole, poorer communities give more sacrificially and more generously than wealthier communities. That the more money you have, the harder it is to give sacrificially. But it can, be, it can be hard at any stage. We're short on time, so I'm going uh, to skip on to a few other practical things that I want to talk about um, so that we can also have some time to pray and to respond. One simple test which I introduced, I think, last year, and it's a provocative test, but I found it quite enjoyable as a little uh, game for myself, and you might do this. Uh, I, I call it my pagan versus Christian test. 
it's a good way of uh, evaluating and testing your own uh, household and where you are with cheerful, generous, and sacrificial giving. Um, so, you know, in Jesus' day, uh, people worked. They worked all the time, right? They were either slaves. Most of the, lots of the people in the empire were slaves, so they had no choice. They just worked. Uh, and, and even the people who weren't slaves, if they were citizens and they had their freedom, they would maybe run businesses or they would be uh, agricultural workers. And uh, Pagan actually means the people of the country. So agricultural workers out in the country were, were pagans. And they all had these local fertility gods and seasonal and harvest gods and things like that. And um, uh, the, the one thing that the Roman Empire said you should do when you weren't working is uh, pursue entertainment. Go to the, go to the circus go to watch the gladiators fight, uh, go to a feast, go to an orgy, go to whatever, you know, go and make sacrifice at this temple. And um, that was a lot of fun because there was usually a lot of feasting, a lot of wine and a lot of sex involved. And so it was all a bit kind of crazy. So it was all entertainment, right? And it got me thinking about a year ago, I thought to myself, wow, we live in quite a similar culture. What do we do when we're not working? Because most people work a lot of the time. Well, there's the expectation that you're working a lot of the time. And uh, we find it very hard to switch off from work because we carry our offices in our pockets. And, you know, it, it's very hard to switch off. And when we do switch off, we, what do we do? We go for entertainment. Sky Sports, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, um, the cinema, all kinds of different, whatever your, whatever your taste, whatever your variety, YouTube. Anybody else drift off down those YouTube rabbit holes sometimes where you just like follow the links and two hours later you emerge and think, what did I do? But that's one of our cultural expectations about how we use our time. We use it on entertainment. But it comes at a cost. And, And so my pagan versus Christian test is this. How much money do you spend on your entertainment every month? I did a rough calculation for ourselves. So we have, we've got broadband. Uh, we've got a Virgin Media TV thing. We've got our mobile phones. We've got an Apple Music subscription. We've got a Netflix subscription. Um, what else have we got? I can't remember. But, but we've got all these kind of things. And, and, we, and we watch series and we watch movies and these. Anyway, we probably spend 80 or 90 pounds a month on entertainment subscriptions. Broadband. T- oh, TV license. We pay the TV license because we're not criminals. You know, there's all these things right? Run it through yourself. Just think for a moment. TV license, broadband, Sky or Virgin, maybe BT, uh, you know, whatever it is you have, Spotify, Apple Music. Some of you won't have any of these things. Some of you are going to have all of them. Some people are spending 150, 160 pounds a month on their entertainment packages. If you like watching Sky Sports football, it's going to cost you because that's the God of our age. You've got to make sacrifices. This God doesn't come for free. This God wants your money. How else are the Premier League footballers going to get their salaries? I mean, blimey. Come on. Don't begrudge them their multi-million pound wage packets. Cough up. Anyway, it's an interesting test. It's an interesting run-through. I'd encourage you to go and do it at home and work out, are you investing more of your time? Are you giving generously, sacrificially, cheerfully more of your money into the work of God's kingdom, into the mission of the church or into the coffers of the entertainment and media barons? Brilliant. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm so pleased. This was not, this was not accidental, by the way. The, the reason that we have the cap presentation here is because we, like, all of us struggle with how to use our money. I don't know how much money is in my bank account today. And I'm terrible. I just use my debit card. I need to learn about Monzo and cash and things like that. And Sarah and I want to go... Sorry? 
well, there we go, fine, I, I hear that. And I, we are, we're going to go on the Cat Money course, Sarah and I, at some point. But the reason we are offering, one of the reasons we want to keep offering the Cat Money course is this is hard stuff. Most of us are bad at it. And so we need as a church, as a community, to help one another and have honest conversations about it. We, we don't, you know, there's no point just sticking our head in the sand and hoping it's all going to be right. We need to have honest conversations. And my pagan versus Christian test is one kind of honest conversation you can have with yourself if you are brave enough. Um, so a couple of final points, and then I want, to, uh, I want us to respond. Um, you know, we give cheerfully, we give generously, we give sacrificially. We don't give because what we have is enough or that what we, what we give can, can achieve enough, we give trusting that God will take, bless, and multiply. So the, the boy who comes forward with uh, five loaves and two fish to Jesus when there's a massive, massive crowd, he doesn't think that food is enough, but he gives it anyway. It's the insufficient offering principle. But we give what we have to God, and he does the rest and multiplies. It's a sign of belonging. I really want to encourage you that if you think this is your church and you belong to this church, then actually investing your money in this church should be an entirely natural thing. A friend of mine once commented that you couldn't be a proper church without three essential things. He said authorised leadership that's like vicars, uh, sacramental worship, baptism and holy communion and a collection and I thought that's a surprising claim but he said that actually the collection is when everybody else gets to contribute something. Everybody else gets to put their little bit in. Giving our money expresses that we are pro vision we are for the vision of the church if you care about all the people in Hoxton being reconciled to God in Christ that that, which is at the heart of what we're about here if you care about that then you'll invest your money in making that a reality Uh, I said earlier on and I prayed so many of us are afraid of not having enough money so many of us carry anxiety and fear about whether we'll have enough money or about how we can get more money and giving breaks the chains Giving sets us free. It's a, it's a first step uh, in setting us free. It helps us develop deeper trust in God. So uh, with all that said, let me just tell you a couple of really practical things about the money at St. John's and then I want to uh, uh, give us some time to respond. So and we, should we have the slide up here, uh, Caleb? There's the... Oh, no, that's the video. We'll have the um, slide that says... That's the one. There we are. So this is a, a slide from our budget for 2020. and We are expecting and hoping to have a total income of £332,500 this year in the church. Sounds like a lot of money, but I tell you, it goes very quickly uh, when you have... Um, uh, you're going to see how it gets spent in a moment. But that's where it comes from. The bulk of it is coming. We've got very little money coming in in grants at the moment. Um, we, that's why you need to do the congregational audit of, I want 60 responses and then I can actually start using that as evidence as I apply for funding. Um, But a lot of our money comes from money that we earn off the building and that's fine. Um, I would think it would be healthier for us as a church if slightly more of the money that comes in came from our voluntary congregational giving, the money that you and I give uh, on a regular basis. Um, To put it in perspective, to break down those income figures, there's about a total of about 100 £28,000 in voluntary income. But that includes special funds like the holiday bursary fund that helps people go to focus. It also includes the gift aid that we recover from uh, the government. We actually have, baseline is about £91,000 of income from the congregation, uh, which is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for those of you who are giving faithfully. Thank you. Um, 
But 40% of that comes from three households in our church. So that's not altogether healthy. That means there's room for more of us to be involved. Uh, What people give ranges between £5 a month and over £1,000 a month. Some people give £200 a month, some people 300 some people 50 some people 60 some people 20 right? It's, it's not about the amount here. Remember, it's about cheerful, generous, sacrificial giving. If the only way that your giving can become sacrificial is to give £2,000 a month, then do it. If the only way is to be sacrificial in your giving is to give £20 a month, work towards doing that. But also, start from where you are. If you have never given money to the church on a regular basis, it's like, go, like you don't go and run a marathon if you have never gone for a jog. Start small, build up. I'm so grateful that when I was, I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, and when I was 17 years old, I decided I wanted to be a mature Christian. I was going to be a proper one. I was going to get serious. So I went and took a course on what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. And one of the things I learned was that disciples of Jesus tithed. They gave money. And I took as a baseline 10%. And I had a Saturday job. So I started a standing order to the church there and then. And I have carried on giving ever since. So this is not something that you wait until you have like a career and income for. It's something you start where you are. I've started a conversation with Caleb about like how, how do you start tithing off your pocket money? right? All those kind of things. You can do it any time. Actually, 40 pence a month given generously and sacrificially, that is of inestimable value in God's kingdom. It's of inestimable value in God's kingdom. So start where you are. Uh, But we, we really do want to encourage more. There's about 55, 60 people who give regularly in our church. Uh, and that's a church of, you know, around 300 or so adults and children who basically say this is their church. Basically say this is the church that I don't come to on Sunday um, and do sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it's time to respond uh, on your cards. You've got the mission action plan. That's just a reminder of what we're doing. Take it away. If you, maybe you've never read this before, uh, it's your opportunity to take it away. Um, We're not going to watch the video uh, because it's getting a little late, but Sarah is going to come and lead us in a song. And uh, what I want you to do is, while the song is playing, uh, I'd like you to take this card and uh, and, and prayerfully fill it out. Um, And you can see on the back of the card there are three options. Some of you already give regularly by direct debit standing order. And all I'm asking you to do is pray and review. That might mean dropping your giving a little bit. Maybe things have changed and you need to cut your regular giving a bit. That's okay. Maybe it's time to increase it a bit to give more sacrificially. That's okay too. Um, Some of you have never done this before and you're sitting there being like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realise that we were supposed to. But I'm glad the vicar told me. Um, And you might want to tick the second box, fill in your details and we'll contact you. Some of you... You know, you, you do the thing of like, I've got some money in my pocket, so I'll put it when the basket goes past. But I've never thought about doing this as a regular commitment, as a regular part of my Christian life. And you might want to tick the third box. Um, and then we're going to take up a collection later on. So there's a bit of time to fill these out. And, and we're going to have the offering basket. And we're going to invite people to come and put these forwards in the basket so that we can, uh, we can all respond. And this is, as I say, is about, this is about an investment into the work of God's kingdom. This is about 
storing up treasure in heaven. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.